can really be fostered in the context of family. Whether it's on purpose or by default, distractions can show up. Sometimes we can, we can live our life so wanting to do the right thing, but some of the distraction of the pressure of family to achieve and to get the A and to get the, get the first place and to always have the thing. And there's always this ongoing distraction that takes us off our course because there's a, an unspoken or maybe even a spoken pressure that was given to you in the context of family. Or maybe there was a hurt that happened to you in the context of family or, or that you're dealing with. And in the process of that, it's caused your rest of your life to be thrown off a little bit. And the distractions of some of that pain has caused you to walk with a limp. Or maybe like in my family, perhaps, when I was raised as a little boy, I remember one of the things in my family, we thought it was, it was real funny to be a real teasy family. And so now we teased all the time. And at the time, I thought it was fun. I thought it was hilarious and all that stuff. And, and I think, uh, unfortunately, some of the teasing went a little overboard. And we would go into these crazy moments to try to scare each other so much. And thought, let me tell you this. That's all good and well until you actually slip the, a ring on, on your wife's finger and decide to bring that into your marriage. Right? Let me tell you this. Wives don't want to be teased. I learned that in the first eight seconds of marriage. Right? I thought, well, my, my sisters loved it. And she's like, I ain't them. It did not take long to realize that I had to, to, to uh, head another direction because I was raised in a family that teased all the time. We couldn't do that. I want to talk to you this morning about some of the wisdom it's going to take to walk out this place in our life. The, the book of Proverbs chapter 4 is a book of wisdom. It's written by Solomon, the king. The Bible says that he was the wisest man on the planet. We know that God gave him wisdom. There's something, in, can you imagine, we're about to hear something that was inspired by the Holy Spirit, written through the hand of the man who was known as the wisest person to walk on earth. Could you imagine what kind of golden nugget we could take from this, this book of Proverbs, but, but in specific, the Proverbs chapter 4. Uh, we've been reading this the last several weeks, but you can't get enough of this. Let me go back and read a little bit of Proverbs chapter 4 with you. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1 says this. My children, listen to, your fa- listen to me. Listen to your father's instruction. Pay attention and grow wise. For I'm giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my teaching. For I too was once my father's son, tenderly loved by my mother as an only child. My father told me, take my words to heart. Follow my instruction and you will live. The implication there is, don't follow my instruction, and you won't. Here we go. Go down to verse 10. It says this, My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a good long life. I will teach you wisdom's ways, lead you in straight paths. If you live life guided by wisdom, you won't limp or stumble as you run. Carry out my instructions. Don't forsake them. Guard them, for they will lead you to a fulfilled life. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been taking those four verses and, and, and compiling them into a one-sentence phrase that I think makes sense. The phrase is this. If you were to take those four verses, literally this. I think these four verses are describing how to live a good, long, fulfilled life lived on a straight path. A good, long, fulfilled life lived on a straight path. I think that's exactly what God wants and has intended for us in this world we live in. His intention all along was for us to learn how to live a good, long, fulfilled life on a straight path. After church today, I got asked to speak at high school baccalaureate in Sumner. 
So I'm going there. And, and you know what I'm going to talk to them about? How to have a good, long, fulfilled life lived on a straight path. I love it. I think it's exactly the intention. They're all going to graduate, and they're going to have their caps and gowns on. They're all going to be excited, right? Don't you remember that moment when we all just had that forever looking in front of us, and the the sky was the limit, and we went out? And can I tell you that if we boiled down our life to the most important issues, we would have said, somebody just tell me how to live a good, long, fulfilled life on a straight path. Just someone tell me. And I love this because Proverbs literally, Proverbs is one of those places, I periodically will have people come to me and say, I just wish the Bible would tell me what I'm supposed to do. I just wish it would just tell me specifically. I know you're supposed to love and serve and do all the things you're supposed to do, but just give me some specifics that I could put into my pocket and take with me. This, my brothers and sisters, is that. This is as cut and dry as you could possibly be on how to live a good, long, fulfilled life lived on a straight path. maybe one day I'll write a book, but I'm telling you, as I've been reading this over the last several weeks, I've just been driven to my knees with this idea of he's spelling it out to us so clearly. The first thing he said two weeks ago, I talked about this, how to live a good, long, fulfilled life on a straight path. Go down to verse 23. He says this, this is how to walk this thing out. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Avoid perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt, corrupt speech. Look straight ahead, fix your eyes on what lies before you, mark out a straight path for your feet, then stick to the path and stay safe. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Two weeks ago, I said the beginning part. Remember remember he starts out here. Solomon says, if you want to live a good, long, fulfilled life, lived on a straight path, number one, first thing, most important of all things, he says what? Guard your heart. Literally, he says, guard your heart. He doesn't say, make sure you're happy. He doesn't say, um, get lots of money. He doesn't say, get a, white, a house with a white picket fence and a big yard. He doesn't say, go buy a dog. You know what he says? Guard your heart. Could you imagine if 300 to 500 high school seniors that I'm going to get a chance to talk to today That the one message they walked away from that today with is this. Guard your heart. Did you imagine heading? Paul and I were thinking about this. Literally, uh, it was 33 years ago. 33 years ago that I I was in that same baccalaureate doing that, that same thing. 33 years ago, two weeks after baccalaureate, you know what happened? I surrendered my life to Christ. 33 years ago, I surrendered my life to Christ two weeks right after that baccalaureate. And it's amazing to me that if, if I would have just known a little bit more about this, I knew Jesus, but I didn't know how to guard my heart. I didn't know how to keep my heart right. I didn't know how to put boundaries around my emotions. That's what it means to guard your heart. Set up boundaries around your emotions. Maybe I could find some healing from my childhood. Maybe I could find some freedom for my, my direction in my life. I love this. Solomon says the most important thing, above all else, guard your heart. And last week we talked about this, for us to live a good, long, fulfilled life on a straight path. He says avoid perverse talk. Literally, watch what comes out of your mouth. I love this. He said, now get this. He's describing to somebody how to live a good, long, fulfilled life on a straight path. And he says, watch your mouth. Like it's right up front. There's part of me that's like, you know, why did you jump to that? Like, why is that the next most important thing? 
Guard your, guard, your, guard your heart and watch what you say. I love this because literally what we talked about last week, what we say is a reflection of what's already in our hearts. So when we find ourselves in gossip, we find ourselves uh, corruptly speaking of another person, when we find ourselves um, beating down our boss and saying they're worthless, when we find ourselves talking to our spouse in an, an unhonoring manner, when we find ourselves telling our kids they'll never be enough, and whatever it is that happens in our, out of our mouth, literally is stuff that's coming up from the wells of our heart. The wellspring, the Bible says, of our life. He says, watch what comes out of your mouth. Uh, he said, literally, I love that. He says, avoid perverse talk, which literally means watch what comes out of your mouth. He doesn't necessarily uh, say this, muzzle yourself and pretend like everything's all right. He says, avoid perverse talk. Translation was, be aware of what's coming up out of your mouth so that you can ask for forgiveness, that you can get your heart right, so that you can become pure and right in the eyes of the Lord. Literally, I love the fact that he's saying that. Coming into this week, I love this. He goes on even further. And now as he's beginning to, to close up this chapter, telling us how to live a good, long, fulfilled life on a straight path, he says this. Keep yourself from being distracted. To live a good, long, fulfilled life on a straight path, he says, stay focused. Count of three, everybody. Let's get focused. Ready? One, two, three. Yeah, yeah, squirrels. There you go. <laughs> you know that's not going to happen, right? Stay focused. I love this. It's like this dad talking to his kids. I can just see it. I, we used to say it to our kids all the time. Focus. Focus. You know, it's just kind of a joke in my family. But the truth is, isn't that the, the, what we need to do? I mean, if there's one thing that happens automatically all the time, distractions. Distractions hit us from every angle. doesn't matter what you're doing. You could be doing anything and a distraction will come up and hit you. Why distractions? Why, why, why does he say avoid distractions? Why does he say keep yourself from being distracted? Well, you'd think it'd be obvious, but let's unpack some of it. Distractions often lead us off course. They get us off on the path unintended that we didn't plan on. They draw our attention away from the place they want to go. Let me tell you this. Distractions have a purpose, and the purpose is this simply, to lead you off course. Here's the crazy thing about these last few verses. These last few verses of this chapter. He almost gives us the impression that avoiding distractions is a choice. He almost tells us, see, we kind of tend to think that distractions are, are kind of like trials. They just come to us and we just got to deal with them. We got we to juggle the trials, just like we have to juggle the distractions. You know, the truth of the matter is he doesn't say that at all. He doesn't say deal with distractions. He just simply says avoid them. Don't be distracted. Distractions are going to come. Literally, he says, you have a choice on how you allow those distractions to come into you. It's surprising to me as I read this because I realize, like, I don't realize how often I allow distractions to take me off course. Whether it's uh, lingering a little too long on that channel, clicking on that place you shouldn't click on, returning that text in an unhealthy uh, way. All the things that get you off course. And the next thing you know, you're on some rabbit trail down the wrong place that you should have never been. I didn't hear anybody say amen or oh my or dear God, please stop or something, right? Let me give you a few benefits of avoiding distractions. A benefit of avoiding distractions, number one, when you avoid distractions, true faith can come alive in you. 
When you avoid distractions, your true faith can come alive. Faith can actually be birthed in you. Uh, we, we talked about this at the men's conference the other day. It just kind of came out in a passing comment, wondering, like, why, why is it that across the, uh, a large body of water into some other segment of the planet, miraculous things seem to happen a little bit easier? Uh, and I'll level with you. I think there's a lot of it has to do with our ability to be distracted. We believe God for sure, but we find ourselves believing God and immediately getting distracted and the, the squirrels start to show up and next thing you know, you're off on some tangent. Distractions can throw us. I mean, we watch, uh, we watch hours of TV and on TV, I, I remember in the 80s, my little sister, my little sister, so uh, music videos had never come to the surface. And I remember in the 80s, she started watching music videos, right? And I remember thinking to myself, I, I, and again, this shows how old I am, but I remember looking over her shoulder at this music video, and it was like the music video would, would show a clip of somebody doing something, a half a second later show another clip of something different, half a second later another clip of something different, something different, something different, something different. And I was like, how do you follow this? And she looked at me and she goes, you're dumb. And I was like, what do you mean I'm dumb? I have no idea what this is about. She's like, just watch it. And I was like, I can't handle it. There's no focus. And now that's what we have today. It's literally what it is. So she's like, it's what we have. We have a, we have a world that, that has to can everything into a, a 10-minute moment and then throw, throw up a commercial. It just happens. That's how we live life. That's how we, that's, that's how we do conversations. That's, that's why TED Talks work, because they're so short. I mean, that's why what we do, there's so much that has to happen. Too many of us get off course because we're so easily distracted. No wonder our faith is shallow. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about these monsters in the faith, and I say that loosely, but these people who are just giants, if you will, in the faith. Hebrews 11 talks about these, these pillars. If you want to just be, I don't know, encouraged, you might be discouraged if you read it, but these people in the Old Testament that, that's, that Paul was talking about in Hebrews, let me mention some of their names. Uh, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Jochebed, Gideon, Rahab. The list continues. Men and women who just full-on believed God. To some of them, they believed God for, for, for years and saw nothing. Could you imagine Noah literally going out, being told by God to build a boat? By the way, it had never rained on the planet up to that point. Water was coming up from springs under the earth. Right, right? So it had never rained. And he stands up and says, God told me it's going to rain. First of all, they're all like, what is that? Second of all, you're dumb. Right? Could you imagine? He's building this huge boat. and Could you imagine at some point? And he's saying, I believe God so much that in the middle of the ridicule, in the middle of the poking fun, in the middle of the doubt, he had to have his own doubts. He had to have his own moments of saying, God, are you sure? But there was something that single-mindedly made him do this. Abraham taking his family from this crazy place to a land of promise. Sarah believing God. I mean, over and over and over, these people who stood up and said, Moses, remember his mom, Jochebed, we talked about her, taking him and believing God to do something with him. Forty years later, shows up as this prince who literally was going to deliver God's people. Where is our faith See, I think distractions keep us from standing and walking out faith. Believing God to do immeasurably, abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Hebrews goes on in the next chapter to say it this way. Chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we've been surrounded by this huge crowd of witnesses that I just read, to the life of faith, listen to this, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, not be distracted. 
the sin that so easily hinders our progress. Listen to this. It says, now let us run with endurance the race that God set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. I love this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. You see, the devil wants nothing more than for us to get our eyes off Jesus. He wants nothing more than for us to be distracted every 30 seconds of our lives so that we never can actually believe God long enough to step out in faith. If he can get us just distractible enough, then we'll never actually grow faith. Faith is the opposite of distractions. Faith is believing God in the midst of distractions. Faith is standing against all distractions, believing God above them. Faith is literally believing God long enough that the distractions will go. A pastor friend of mine, when he was uh, teaching me how to read my Bible, I remember he said to me this. He said, sometimes when I sit down to read my Bible, I sit there quietly for five or ten minutes before I start doing anything. I said, what do you do? Do you pray? Ask God to prepare your heart? All those kind of things. He said, no. I said, what do you do for that first five or ten minutes? He said, I just wait for the parade to go by. I said, what parade? He goes, sit there for five minutes and you'll see the parade. The parade happens. He goes, I'll just sit there long enough for the parade to go by and then I'll start my time with Jesus. Brilliant. Everyone's got a parade. We all got stuff that just shows up and keeps on. Why? Because there's going to be something. Now, we could rebuke it. We could cast it out. We could yell and scream. We could speak your tongues. You could do it all you've got to do. But let me tell you this. The parade's going to come. The distractions will always be there. But your faith will never grow until you put your, them aside and you begin to say, God, I'll stand here in the midst of the distractions. Hmm. When we keep ourselves free from being distracted, fear, doubt must flee and faith will grow. Number two, second benefit, really, of avoiding distraction. Not only will your faith grow, but number two, you'll finally feel safe. You'll finally feel safe. Look at what it says in Proverbs 4.26. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stick to the path and stay safe. So many of us feel unsafe. So many of us feel like I, I don't know where to go, what to do, how to do. And so we feel unsafe because there's an unsettledness to, to our life. Uh, if, you, if you spend any time with me, you'll know that I'm a, I'm a planner. I, I like to plan. I actually have a preaching calendar. I have a room in our church right now today that's dedicated to calendars that are this size. They're, they're huge. There, there's about... 18 of them in there. It's a year and a half worth of calendars. And on it has all of my preaching calendars for next year. I'm, I'm all done for next year. That's either pathetic or awesome to you. I don't know how that works, but I can tell you what we're going to be next year at this time. I know exactly because we've been praying and hearing the heart of God. But I make a plan, right? Because I think there's something to it. But let me tell you this. Um, the 51-year-old me wasn't always like that. I can tell you the 20-year-old me was far from, you know what? The 20-year-old me would have fired me. I'm telling you, I worked at a job when I was in college where uh, I was an RA at resident hall. And so, you know, that's basically, um, uh, you would think it's free room and board to be an RA, but basically you're just babysitting. And so it was an all guys dorm at a public university. So it really wasn't an all guys dorm. Lots of girls in there. But nevertheless, I can tell you, uh, my job uh, at times felt like I was pulling heads out of toilets because they were throwing up. and It was terrible. Anyway, it was just this crazy job. But I remember we were supposed to put on events. We were supposed to like have a hot dog feed and dances and all the things you're supposed to do as an RA, right? And, and, and I, I was like, hey, I got the job. Good enough for me, right? So I, I'd show up to meetings late or not at all. 
I wouldn't make a plan. They would say, hey, what are we doing this next week? And I would say like, eh, because I'd just wing it. And then get this, I was enough of a Christian at the time to where I would say spiritual things. I'm going to go with the flow. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to lead me. That's what it is. You got a plan? Yep, Holy Spirit's going to show up and he's going to lead me. Translation, I didn't plan. Right? Me. There are the people who can do that with a plan, led by the Holy Spirit and go with the flow. And to that, I have such respect. But I couldn't, that was an excuse for me to basically not do anything ahead of time. I walked into my boss's office. He pulled me in one time. And, he, and it, by the way, it was in the 80s. So uh, sticky notes were just coming to the surface. Yellow sticky notes that I love. Uh, I, I walked into his office. He had a pack of them. And he chucked them across the room about 25 feet, hit me in the chest. And he goes, use these or lose your job. He goes, make a plan and stick a sticky note to remind you of something or you're done. Now get out of here. I mean, I was like, what? What? It's the first time somebody actually called me out. And from, from, I can tell you, from it was the beginning of the end of me winging it. And I realize now that, that, let me tell you this. When you create a plan, the Bible says, stick to the plan and stay safe. There's something safe about a husband coming to his wife and saying, honey, here's, here, here's our finances. Let's create a plan together on how we're going to walk this thing out. Or a wife coming to a husband and saying, honey, here's our kids. Let's create a plan together on how we're going to walk discipline out with our family. There's nothing more unsettling to a child than not having a plan with their family. Because everything is just cattywampus and everything is just how emotional. If an emotional moment rises up, everyone stay away from him. You know, something crazy happens, everyone stay away from her. And there's all these emotions. Instead, if there's a plan and free boundaries and there's safety. I think sometimes we forget that it's important that Proverbs literally says here, to live a good, long, fulfilled life on a straight path, make a plan. Amen. It's not easy. I can tell you this, I learned how to make a plan by by hanging around some people who made plans. Not because I took a course, not because I I literally took around around some people like Yvonne Swint, who sat her, I would literally, she was overseeing an internship I was in, and and I remember her saying to me, uh, you didn't listen to the guy in college, make a plan, Lance. And so I realized, like, it's so important for us to have a plan. It's so important for us to walk out with purpose, a plan. Hmm. Proverbs 16, 9 says this, we can make our plans but it's the Lord who determines our steps. I think it's important to make a plan, but it's always important to allow the Lord to determine our steps. I tell you that I have a preaching calendar, but I can also tell you that God can steer that car any way he wants to. He can stop it. He can start it. He can say, not this week, do this. But I love the fact that God can take your plan and and he can move it. I always think in my heart that somehow it's easier for God, like something needs to be easy for God. Uh, But but in my heart, I always have this sense that it's easier for God to, 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 to steer a car that's moving. Instead of having some crazy, because there's times when, when I would not have a plan and I would just sit there and I feel like the Lord was saying, like, get up and do something. And then I'll tell you where to go. As he did that with all kinds of people in the Bible. Just get up and start walking. Let me tell you this. I think we have to have a plan and prepare. And I think when we do that, we find ourselves staying safe. And finally this. When you walk out of benefit of avoiding distractions, listen to this. Number three, keep your feet from following evil. Keep your feet. Proverbs 4.27 says this. Don't get stride-tracked, but keep your feet from following evil. read an article by a guy named Jeffrey Harrison. He was a former army sniper. He writes in this article, listen to this. Most people think that being a sniper is all about shooting people from far away. 
While that's certainly an important skill, it's not the most difficult. Staying virtually invisible while moving from one point to another point with 75 plus pounds of gear in extreme weather while being completely exhausted requires a tremendous amount of focus. The fatigue and discomfort, the racing thoughts, are all distractions that can throw you off your focus and in a cloak of invisibility that keeps you alive. I love this. This guy talks about the fact that keeping himself from being sidetracked kept him alive. Keeping himself from being sidetracked. And it's, I think sidetracked is so, it's so easy today. There's times I feel like, minus all the electronics. This morning we came in and the video projectors weren't working. And, and so uh, our, uh, Teresa, our service uh, uh, person today who was kind of running our service said, I remember a day when we didn't have those. I remember a day when we just got up there and talked and sang songs from a guitar and we didn't have all the, the crazy stuff going around. I can tell you having all the crazy stuff going around, it's certainly awesome, but let me tell you, it can be distracting. It can throw us off. We, we can, I remember one time going to a church and they had a, it was the first, it was smoke machines were just coming out. This guy had a smoke machine blowing from the back of their church so they could see the lights in the, in the room. It was cool. But I was kind of like, I literally said to my son, son, that amplifier's on fire. I'm going up to tell them that they need to put that out because we're going to burn the church down. He's like, Dad, stop it. It's a smoke machine. And I was like, no, no, that thing's on fire. It, right? <laughs> Distractions. I'm telling you, it's, they can throw us off. Distractions will keep you from reading your Bible. Distractions will keep you from apologizing to your wife. Distractions will keep you from honoring your boss. Distractions will keep you from serving Jesus. Distractions will throw us all over the place. Just like an army sniper, he simply says, listen, I've got to choose to focus and not be distracted. So the rest of the article goes on and he says he uses a technique. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to tell you what he uses to focus himself. He says every two hours of his day before he learned how to do this, he would set his phone to, to give him an alarm to remind him to do this exercise to learn how to focus. Let me tell you what it is. He called it SLLS. I don't know if they say SEALs or whatever, but it's like S-L-L-S. Here's what it stands for. Every two hours, he would stop, look, listen, and smell. That caused him to refocus. S-L-L-S. Stop, look, listen, and smell. So I, I, I tried it. I tried it. You know what it, you know what it does? kind of helps. It might help you. You know what? It wasn't real spiritual. I didn't like even pray in that moment. I just stopped, looked, listened, and smelled. And I said, Jesus, get me back. Just before this morning, as I was sitting in my office, reading through my notes, trying to say, God, what do you want to say today? I stopped, looked, listened, and smelled. Why? You know, honestly, whatever you got to do to get yourself back in focus so that you can hear from Jesus is what you got to do. I think too often we allow ourselves to get so distracted. I promise you, the text messages will continue to come. The phone calls will continue to ring. The emails will continue to mount. The taps on your door will continue to come. My question for you this morning is, is what will you do in your life to keep you from being distracted? If being distracted is something that we can choose to accept or not, to allow in or not, then what are you going to do because your distractions are keeping you from growing in faith? Your distractions are keeping you from deepening your walk with Jesus. The distractions that you see in here, maybe it's about time you walk over and shut the TV off. 
Maybe it's about time you, 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 you pull the curtains on your living room and you sit there in quiet and silence just for a minute. Or maybe you practice this SLLS thing and stop, listen, look, smell. Maybe it's time we just say, Jesus, in order to learn how to live a good, long, fulfilled life on a straight path, I've got to learn to guard my heart. I've got to learn to take control of my heart and what's going in it and what's coming out of it. I've got to learn to avoid the things that come up from out of my heart and, and into, into my mouth and out. I've got to learn to stay focused. And if I can do those three things, then I might learn to live a good, long, fulfilled life lived on a straight path. Let me tell you this. This is gold. If we could get a hold of this and realize that we could guard our hearts and watch our speech and stay focused, then we might find ourselves living at a whole different level of peace than we ever thought possible. And then all the things that we keep thinking we need to add as accoutrements to life to somehow make life more valuable or add this to this and do this to that in order to get life some semblance of peace, maybe actually the removal of some of that stuff would get us to the place where we could find the peace we're looking for and allow God to literally speak to our hearts. So I want to pray. Can we do that? Jesus, Thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much for an opportunity to read in your word something so practical. You ought to pray for the, the person here today who, who doesn't know you, who's never met you, who's maybe gone to church and sang the songs and maybe lifted their hands and maybe even said the prayer, but their heart was far from you. If that's you today or you're listening to us online, and you want to surrender your life to following Jesus like I did 33 years ago, then maybe today you just say, Jesus, I surrender. I give you me. Go ahead. Just say it out of your heart. God, God, give you me. I need you because I want to learn how to live a good, long, fulfilled life. I give you me. Fill me with your spirit. Take away my sin. For the rest of us that know Jesus, let's just make a decision to say, God, I want to continue to walk this thing out, to walk fulfillment of what you've called us to, so that we can learn how to live this good, long, fulfilled life. We need you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. Good stuff. Father's Day is next week. I can tell you that uh, this is one of those holidays that... Uh, there's no kind of about it. I promise you. Listen, I want you to come back next week, bring your dad or bring your heart for your dad or bring something in your heart. Let me tell you this. I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to beat dads down. I hate when pastors do that, when they encourage moms on Mother's Day and then yell at dads on Father's Day. That ain't going to happen. I'll tell you why, because I'm a dad and I hate that. I want to encourage you and let you know that if family is one of the most powerful institutions on the planet, I think the role of a dad is one of the most powerful in that institution. By the way, I think the mom is the most influential. <laughs> Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet?